Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a Take care of our air conditioning. They'll do a great job for you. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Dr. George Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. He replaced both of my knees in 2006, for which I'm forever grateful. We'll visit with uh, Dr. Markovich, as well as former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. He's filed a uh, ethics complaint against Teresa Heitman, the mayor of Naples. We'll find out about that uh, on the show as well. <clears throat> it is June the 3rd, and on this day in 1800, John Adams, the second president of the United States, became the first president to reside in Washington, D.C. when he took up residence at the Union Tavern in Georgetown. Now, there's a Union Tavern on Massachusetts Avenue in Georgetown. I wonder if it's the same one. It's old. It probably is. And I've been there. It's kind of interesting. Anyhow, the city of Washington was created to serve as the nation's capital because of its geographical position in the center of the existing new republic. The states of Maryland and Virginia ceded land around the Potomac River to form the District of Columbia, and work began on Washington in 1791. French architect Pierre Lafont designed the city's radical layout full of dozens of circles, crisscross avenues, and plentiful parks. In 1792, work began in the neoclassical White House building at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue under the guidance of Irish-American architect James Hoban whose White House design was influenced by Leinster House in Dublin and by a building sketch in James Gibbs' book of architecture. In the next year, Benjamin Latrobe began construction on the other principal government building, the U.S. Capitol. Uh, on June the 3rd, 1800, President Adams moved into a temporary residence in the new capital. Construction was completed on the executive mansion on November the 1st, the president was welcomed to the White House. The uh, next day, Adams wrote to his wife about the new home, I pray heaven to bestow the best of blessings on this house and all that shall hereafter inhabit it. May none be but wise men ever rule under this roof. Well, that didn't happen. But irrespective, soon after, Abigail Adams arrived in the White House, and on November the 17th, of uh, the U.S. Congress convened for the first time at the U.S. Capitol. So interesting, the history of the United States of America. Humble beginnings. The U.S. economy recovery is unlike any in recent history, this according to the Wall Street Journal, powered by consumers with trillions in extra savings, businesses eager to hire, and enormous policy support. Uh, businesses and workers are poised to emerge from the downturn with far less permanent damage than occurred after recent recessions, particularly the 2007-9 downturn. New businesses are popping up at the fastest pace on record. The rate at which workers quit their jobs, a proxy for confidence in the labor <clears throat> market, matches the highest going back at least to 2000. American household debt service burdens as a share of after-tax income are near the lowest level since 18, 1980. When records began, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up nearly 18% from its pre-pandemic peak in February 2020. Home prices nationwide are up nearly 14%. 
higher than this time that that uh, that time in February 2020. The speed of the rebound is also triggering turmoil. The shortages of goods, raw materials, and labor that typically emerge toward the end of an expansion are cropping up much sooner. Many economists, along with the Federal Reserve, expect the jump in inflation to be temporary, but others worry it could persist even once reopening is complete. We never had anything like it, a collapse, and then a boom-like pickup, said Alan Sinai, chief global economist and strategist at Decision Economics Incorporated. It's without historical parallel, he said. When COVID-19 pandemic restrictions sent the U.S. economy into freefall last spring, economists and policymakers warned it would take years for workers and businesses to heal. Now they expect the economy size to surpass pre-pandemic levels this quarter. Analysts project that by the end of this year, a gross domestic product will reach its path it was projected to follow had the pandemic never occurred and then exceeded it, at least temporarily. It's just so interesting that uh, this is occurring. A lot of headwinds, of course, with this administration and a lot of policies that could get in the way of all this, but it looks like the recovery is going to continue in spite of this current administration. Let's talk about Israel. Yesterday, the country's opposition leaders made a deal to form a coalition government, paving the way for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's exit. Last month, Netanyahu's Israel's longest-serving prime minister, who's on trial for corruption, by the way, failed to piece together a government after Israel's March election, the fourth in two years, so centrist Yair Lapid and far-right leader Neftali Bennett teamed up to uh, try and reach the 61 seats, the number needed to rule the parliament. Just before uh, yesterday's deadline, the duo managed to pull it off, but it's not over yet. Next week, parliament will vote to approve the coalition government. If the uh, vote goes through, it would be the most diverse coalition in Israel's history, including an Arab party for the first time ever, in addition to left and right-wing parties. It comes in the aftermath of a deadly 11-day conflict, of course, between Israelis and Palestinians. As Lapid promises to unite every part of Israeli society, trying to keep it together could be uh, uh, very, very difficult. The coalition is made up of eight political parties from across Israel's political spectrum, that was united in one goal, showing Netanyahu to the door. Now that they've come, uh, they've actually pulled it off. It's unclear how the, long this unity could last. Interesting. Uh, there has been one crisis after another in Israel uh, in terms of its government. We'll see how long this will last. I personally like Netanyahu. Uh, apparently, he had a different face for Israel than he had for the rest of the world. Well, a large fire erupted late on Wednesday afternoon at an oil refinery near Iran's capital, Tehran, which followed news from earlier in the day that the nation's largest warship sank from when it caught fire in the Gulf of Oman. Oman. Isn't that interesting? Uh, A refinery and then a warship sinking. The fire struck the state-owned petrochemical company in the south of Tehran, said Mansour uh, Derahadi, the director general of the capital's crisis management team. Firefighters believe it stuck, struck a pipeline for liquefied petroleum gas at the facility. Uh, he didn't el- elaborate on that. The Washington Post reported earlier in the day that a fire erupted on Iran's largest warship under unclear circumstances at around 2.25 a.m., and that firefighters battled back for 20 hours before the nearly 680-foot carg sank. The ship was used to resupply other ships, conduct training exercises that had been in use for more than four decades. 
The Jerusalem uh, Post reported the vessel left for training at sea several days ago and caught fire for some reason when a system failed on board. The ship suffered devastating damage despite Iran's best efforts to send military personnel to fight the fire. It comes a day after Iranian aircraft crashed and two elite pilots died. This appears to be a major setback for Iran. Iran has recently tied, uh, tried to increase its naval footprint according to new ships, acquiring new ships and sending ships to the Red Sea and to Venezuela. The Daily Wire previously reported that the news came as the Biden administration is in talks with Iran, which is the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism, to re-enter the highly controversial Iran nuclear deal. The news also comes after Israel was repeatedly attacked by Palestinian terrorists last month who launched more than 4,300 rockets at Israel. One of the terrorist organizations in Gaza publicly thanked Iran for supplying it with the weapons that it used to attack Israel. Following last month's ceasefire between Israel and the Palestinian terrorist organizations, numerous explosions and fires erupted at Iranian petrochemical plants. One person was killed and two others were injured in an explosion fire at the petrochemical plant in uh, southern Iran along with the coast of uh, Persian Gulf. And third, the third such incident in the past four days, the Jerusalem Post reported. Earlier this week, incidents were reported at petrochemical plants uh, in other parts of Iran. An attack last month believed to have come from Israel crippled Iran's uh, Natanz nuclear facility so badly that the facility might not be able to continue enriching uranium until next year. Yeah, isn't that interesting? A lot of, there are no coincidences, by the way. It's, I'm quite certain that, uh, or I, I'm not certain, but I believe that uh, Israel is behind this. Two intelligence officials briefed on the damage said it could be caused by a large explosion that completely destroyed the independent and heavily protected internal power system that supplies the underground centrifuges that enrich uranium. The officials who spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe the classified Israeli operations said the explosion had dealt a severe blow to Iran's ability to enrich uranium and that it could take at least nine months to restore, restore production. So interesting. By the way, Iran, the Iranian regime is giving Hamas terrorists resources to produce thousands of new rockets in Gaza Strip, according to a new report in Tehran's state-controlled media. Following a two-week war with Israel this month in which Hamas and other terror groups bombarded the Jewish state with missiles funded by uh, and provided by Iran, Hamas is moving to restock its weapon cache. Uh, the End of Israel's regime latest aggression, the Palestinian resistance has resumed the process of rocket production. Uh, this is not over by a long shot. We're going to see, I think, major turmoil in the Middle East, especially now that Biden is uh, making overtures to Iran. What, what is he doing? Why is he doing that? It's just unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be up in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a grassroots coalition, uh, now well over 100 people, or 100 groups and 110,000 folks, and we focus across Florida on K-12 through education. Uh, we're fighting against the indoctrination in our schools, and we're fighting for um, parental choice, um, getting rid of the pornography, and uh, really giving kids an option to, to government schools. So we're very active in and helping folks homeschool, take advantage of Florida's uh, really good scholarship programs. Um, and so that's the kind of work we do. Yeah, yeah, and uh, doing a gr great job. I think you've been in business, I think, for about eight or nine years, and uh, what you've accomplished is just extraordinary. So, Keith, I hat off to you and uh, Pastor Rick Stevens for the work that you've, uh, what, and the organization you've created and the influence you have in Tallahassee. So I understand there's a big meeting on Monday morning in, in the uh, Collier County school system. Yeah, uh, this is something that we forced uh, three years ago when we got a, a bill signed by Governor Scott on instructional materials. And real simply what it said is if a school district in Florida is going to be adopting books, textbooks, uh, they have to make them publicly available. Uh, and then once they do adopt them, they have to give the public, including residents, not just, teach, uh, not just parents, 
uh, 30 days to assess those books. Hmm. And if there are any objections, then they have to hold a separate hearing, separate from a school board meeting, and they have to engage an independent hearing officer, not hire the independent hearing officer. And so um, because of COVID and uh, the, the, the governor's rewrite of standards, uh, we haven't done this for three years. The last time we did this, went through this process was three years ago with science. Mm -hmm. So now on Monday morning, uh, they progressed through the process uh, three of us have forced a hearing with our objections on on the uh, uh, English language arts. I'll, I'll abbreviate that ELA, but English language arts textbooks. Uh, the good news is those ELA textbooks um, do a pretty good job of aligning themselves with the new Florida standards uh, that uh, that Richard Corcoran created. And you'll recall, and maybe your listeners will, that we played a role in getting those standards. Absolutely. So that's the good news. The bad news and Richard Corcoran is very uh, openly says this. He actually said so out loud at, at a big uh, event up in Hillsdale. Uh, he never thought he had to tell him to keep the crap out. <laughs> he used to. He used a different word, but I yeah. cleaned it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, so what he's got is a set of textbooks that that do an okay job of meeting the new standards, which are classical. Uh, but the bad news is they're full. They're just infused with critical race theory. Hmm. And so we have a petition to the governor to stop that. In the meantime, uh, call your county, as are many of the other counties. Some have already purchased and signed contracts. Uh, call your county is m marching full steam ahead on Monday morning to to do this hearing. It's uh, it, it, not to not to sound uh, cynical, but it's already preordained. Um, uh, you know, the the, the the five school board members we have will do the bidding of uh, Kamala Patton. Hmm. And so it's uh, it's actually going to be what I call an illegal kabuki dance because the first mistake they made is they hired their hearing officer. Uh, we've already filed a legal complaint uh, to Corcoran on that. Uh, they're still marching ahead. Um, but the three of us will have an opportunity to present uh, why we believe the books should not be adopted. And it is open to the public. Uh, people who want to make public comment or just come support us in getting rid of critical race theory would be welcome. It starts at 9, so if you're going to speak, you ought to get there a little bit early. Uh, if you do want to speak, I would request that you give me a call because there's some unique rules. They just won't let you do public comment like they normally do. Hmm. So I would recommend, uh, and I'm happy to, to, to say my phone number, 239 two five zero three three two zero and we'll coach you in terms of your three minute content not in and what to say but how to say it so that it don't stop you if you don't do it the right way they'll just shut you off and tell you you can't speak hmm. so interesting so, key. so uh, 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 do you have it all uh, i take it that you, this the uh, textbook that you're reviewing is not acceptable is there an alternative that you'd recommend oh yeah there's uh, well there's three alternatives and i'll i'll, I'll state those in my presentation. One is to do nothing. Mm -hmm. Corcoran has sworn he's going to clean them up by next year, so they have up to three years to buy textbooks, so just wait. Uh, the one I really like is the new standards are heavily based on classical education and original source documents. Those are all public domain. They're, that means they're free. Mm. So that means a school district could uh, actually acquire those books uh, for 10 cents on the dollar, printing costs. Wow. And they would have to challenge their staffs to put together lesson plans, but that shouldn't be a huge stretch for teachers. Uh, and, and then, um, you know, they can actually follow the standards 
as they were intended, rather than buying from these big progressive companies who were making literally hundreds of millions of dollars and and uh, and and tainting those with their own progressive political bias. So, it's your opinion, though, that this is going to this is a done deal. The uh, school board is going to go ahead and vote the current textbook in after the com- public comments. Yeah. Well, uh, if uh, past evidence of trying to to sway the school board on anything is is uh, taken into account. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I I think we have what we're trying to do is mount a really solid case. Yeah. Uh, we've also requested that uh, you you may be aware that Byron Donalds has been very vocal on getting rid of common uh, uh, this critical race theory, and we've asked uh, representatives um, Milo and uh, Ram Ram. Uh, Rommel, mm-hmm. uh, to come way in. I mean, the, the governor's banned it, and Corcoran's got some work going on to at least say he's going to fire anybody who uses them. So I thought it would be kind of nice to have our Republican um, supporters, um, you know, legislative and, and congressmen there, uh, to voice their opinion to the school board. Yeah. Uh, so far, um, I've had good conversations with all three, and I don't have a firm commitment from any one of them. But they're all three are looking at it, so maybe we can get them to weigh in um, with great. the school board members. Yeah, there is a certain degree of irony that here in the bastion of conservative thought here in Collier County, that we have a very liberal school board and, and uh, superintendent of schools, which is in- inexplicable, quite frankly. But uh, so, Keith, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say it's it's all due to, to the unions and uh, the fact that we have well, we have a red conservative district. Most people. Just, just uh, kind of abdicate that responsibility because they don't have kids in school, so yeah. they don't think it's important. Yeah, too bad. So, uh, Keith, before I let you go, I understand there's an event coming up on June 8th that should be of interest to our listeners. Yeah, it's uh, similar to the one we did, Bob, you attended uh, back on April 17th uh, at the community church here locally, but this one's going to be over in Broward County. Uh, it will be live streamed, so anybody can go to our website, and uh, you don't have to really register. The link will be on our website. Uh, it's a two-hour event, uh, and it it, it'll, it has uh, Alex Newman, who you heard on April 17th. He's terrific. Uh, Sam Sorbo, and then we'll, uh, those those two will kind of outline the problems, and then uh, we'll have uh, about 40 minutes of solutions uh, that range all the way from foundational economic education solution to unschool uh, Duke Pestis, and uh, and then we'll have a a testimony on the Hope Scholarship and how effective that can be. Outstanding. So uh, visit GoFLCA.com. GoFLCA.com is the very robust website of the Foundation for uh, uh, Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, GoFLCA.com. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend, Bob. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue 
Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. A lot of going on in that front. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Seton, tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's going well. <laughs> so, Seton, this column that you wrote just was so eye-opening, I couldn't believe what I was reading. The Soros-Steyer stain remains in Ohio 15's Congressional Republican primary. Tell us about it. Yeah, there's a special election going on in Ohio 15, um, because the Republican congressman, has resigned to become the head of the Republican, I mean, of the uh, Ohio Chamber of Commerce. So it's a special election. The primaries in August and the elections November 2nd. Well, this is one of those really, Ohio has perhaps the worst gerrymandered districts in the country. Mm. And this thing, I think the uh, outgoing Republican in 2020 won it by like 27%. Mm. So whoever wins the primary, the Republican primary, you know, can, can moonwalk into the general because he'll win. So what I saw this happen in Texas, what, the, what Democrats do a lot uh, and with increasing frequency is they'll, uh, they'll either run a candidate or identify a candidate in the Republican primary that doesn't really belong in the Republican primary and back him. And that way they can, you know, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing and if they win in the primary, they, they've, got a, they've got a Democrat wearing a Republican hat going to Washington. Huh. 
And that's what's happening here. There's a, and he was a state rep. This guy, Stewart, was a state rep in Ohio as a Republican. He's now running, he's one of the dozen candidates running for the seat. Again, open primary seats, open, open seats in special elections where nobody votes. With, 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 you know, overwhelmingly gerrymandered districts, draw a lot of candidates from the gerrymandered favored party. Mm-hmm. So there's a dozen Republicans running. This guy, Stewart, is one of them. Well, when he was a state rep, he proudly was the CEO of this George Soros, Tom Steyer-funded environmental group. And what they want is, you know, they, they claim to want all the above energy plans. Well, what they're doing, of course, is what all the people who claim all the above energy plan, they're undermining, they, they undermine oil and gas and the real energy in favor of fake energy like solar and wind. Hmm. And they, they do this now, you know, whenever I hear a Republican say all the above, I want to reach the television and throttle them because <laughs> this is, you're, you're playing on their ball, you know, their field. Right. And this guy was the CEO of this group in Ohio. Hmm. Well, he, he, you know, he proudly proclaimed it in a tweet, and in, in, this was like in 2016 or 2018. Well, then he decided, or I guess he decided he was going to run for higher office, so he resigned from the group. But the group didn't resign from him, <laughs> because there's a guy named, du, I, I can't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Duvelier, uh, it's D-U-V-E-U-L-I-E-R-S, anyway, and he, he's the director of external affairs for two of these Steyer's of Steyer Soros groups. And there's a picture of this guy, third from the left, on, on Stewart's Facebook page. And it was, a, it was a picture of all the volunteer door knockers, you know, the people that come, come in on a, usually on a weekend and like the candidate, and they volunteer their time, and they go and knock door to door in neighborhoods to, you know, evangelize on the, uh, on the candidate. Mm-hmm. Well, Duvalier is doing that for Stuart. Yeah. So Stuart may have quit the group, but the group didn't quit him. Yeah. And so that raises a bunch of questions for me anyway, which is, is he, you know, is he still getting support from George Soros and Tom Steyer, just not as a, you know, as a paid CEO of one of these fake energy groups? Um, is he, you know, is he going to be a, a stooge, a, a green energy stooge yeah. in Washington as a Republican? See, here's if a th- he wins this election and gets into Washington, um, you know, I, I'm not, you know, there's, there's 11 other candidates to choose from. I think you can do better. Is the well, <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, though, we've, we've, uh, we've heard this tune before. Uh, we, we, when you think about uh, the uh, guy in uh, Los Angeles County, the district attorney, when you think about uh, Kim, what's her name there in... Uh, in uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. He, but, but again, those are Democrats. Right. I mean, they're, 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 you know, Soros was very smart. He, he started the Secretary of State project in the mid-2000s because he saw what happened, or actually the early 2000s. Remember the Secretary of State, Catherine Harris, here in Florida? who rightly ruled that you can't do partial counts, and if you want to do counts, you have to do counts everywhere, and she was backed up by the Supreme Court. She was this Republican Secretary of State. Well, Soros saw that and started dumping tons of money, money that, you know, orders of magnitude larger than we'd ever seen before, in these secretaries 
around the country. And it certainly paid dividends in 2020 because you had all these, you know, these unaccountable, because not supposed to be doing it, elected officials like the secretaries of state changing election law, which is, con- which is the legislature's job. Yeah. And because he had all these Soros-funded leftist secretaries of state, uh, which, you know, secretaries of state are in charge of the elections. They're, yeah. they're, that's one of the things they oversee. So, yeah, it's, it's, he's been doing this a lot, but, you know, this, this, this venturing into Republican primaries is, a, is, a, is another way to do it, and even more surreptitious and, and, and devious. Absolutely. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. Uh, you can also visit uh, Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. Whoops, I did something wrong. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. George Markovich. Uh, Dr. Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. He replaced both of my knees in uh, 2000, uh, 2006. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Dr. George Markovich, 
Dr. Markovich is my orthopedic surgeon. He replaced both of my knees in 2006, for which I'm really grateful. Did a great job. Dr. Mar Markovich, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Good morning. Good morning, Dr. Markovich. So I wanted to get your insights and thoughts about what's happening with the CDC and Dr. Fauci right now. I mean, uh, t to me, it's just very difficult to trust the CDC. It's very difficult to trust the information we're getting from Dr. Fauci. Any thoughts? Well, certainly. Uh, everything these days is politicized. It's been that way for, you know, maybe a decade or two. And uh, this particular individual, Anthony Fauci, has been on this perch for many, many years, um, really somewhat ineffective in a lot of the endeavors that he's pursued. Uh, he's celebrated in many circles uh, because of his stature, and uh, you could see he's a charming guy that comes across in a certain way, um, and uh, I think he was enamored by many of the elitists, or they were enamored by him. Mm -hmm. uh, it certainly seems that this gain-of-function type research where they weaponize uh, viral uh, elements um, uh, seems credible and uh, perhaps uh, contributed to by some of the efforts uh, with the CD scientists, including uh, Anthony Fauci. So um, Dr. Fauci uh, is a epidemiologist. He's not a clinician. Uh, they don't deal with treating patients. They deal with uh, looking uh, at situations and analyzing them thereafter. Um, and uh, he had issues with dealing with other epidemics, including HIV. Uh, and he's having his moment now that is being challenged in terms of what really happened yeah. and how he responded to it. Yeah, you know, uh, to, I've never, ever heard him refer to a study or to scientific information. He just gives out opinions, uh, number one. Number two, he apparently, because of some release of some emails, uh, they was quoted as saying, telling uh, the uh, Obama administration that uh, masks don't do any good. I think it's the Obama administration. Masks don't do any good. Uh, they, if these uh, mask cloth masks that you get are not going to do anything to protect you. Uh, and who knows where the six feet of distancing came from? I, I mean, really, is, is this all scientifically based or not? Well, it's not. And I, I think there's been books written by a uh, uh, New York investigative uh, uh, journalist, a scientific journalist, that also has l actually looked at the data. His name escapes me right now. But uh, wonderful small pamphlets uh, that were actually banned from Amazon when he tried to write it. Yeah. Uh, probably the most credible journalist uh, that you can find. Uh, and and masks, really, the data is very soft. Other than N95 masks, mm -hmm. cloth masks, other masks, really don't do anything to uh, help uh, minimize the risk. But, listen, the risk has been minimal from the beginning. If you have a good immune system, if you're a healthy person, if you're not of a certain age, as we say, in close quarters with people that have the illness and that spread it around in a ping-pong fashion, you're probably okay, you yeah. know? And, and so 90% uh, uh, of the time, 85% of the time, it had little if no consequence uh, unless you're vulnerable. And uh, the vulnerability was actually increased by the early responses. We got information on how to deal with it and how to treat with it how to treat it 
much from the Chinese, by the way, mm-hmm. that led to increased intubations, <clears throat> uh, pursuing drug regimens that weren't um, uh, feasible, again, supported by the CDC and some of the information that was coming out of the WHO and so forth. So, unfortunately, basic principles weren't followed. Common sense took a vacation. And here we are today with, uh, you know, trillion-dollar budgets being proposed and a lot of nonsensical things going on. And it's really pretty alarming. Yeah, it is alarming. In fact, uh, the CDC... Uh, as quoted, I think I get this right, is that uh, 6% of the deaths are uh, people that died from uh, COVID-19. Are, uh, 94% died with COVID-19, but uh, only 6% of those deaths were from COVID-19. In other words, caused by COVID-19. Uh, that's pretty alarming. And then the other thing that I heard is that uh, and read is that uh, the people that uh, currently get COVID-19 who've been vaccinated, they've set different standards now to measure their illness so that they won't occur, they won't appear as having caught COVID-19 after getting vaccinated. Bob, you're, you're quoting statistics that, you know, really support this contagion of fear. Yeah. This was a concerted effort by people, whether they knew it or not, to increased fear in the population, and they found a population that was vulnerable to this fear element, which transformed society. And, you know, I I like to hearken to days in the past, because I'm a traditionalist, of the only thing you have to fear is is fear itself. And that's what really took hold. And um, now we are reaching a point where uh, we're looking at things, I think, a little bit more objectively and going, what are we really afraid of? Well, I, I don't like debt. I'm very afraid of debt. I'm afraid of devaluation. I'm afraid of uh, uh, forces taking uh, a root in our society that don't have our society's best interests at heart. And, you know, transforming the moral fabric of this country, which, uh, you know, it's not perfect, but it's the best country that's there, that there has ever been to date. Absolutely. Doctor, I, I couldn't agree more. Take the topic a, a little different direction right now. Uh, you're in the business of healing people because of joint pain, uh, knee replacement, uh, uh, shoulder replacement, hip replacement. Uh I read that the uh, incidence of cancer uh, cures has gone down as a result of the pandemic. What's happened with regard to uh, your profession? Well, we have uh, responded because we're in uh, the type of uh, field and musculoskeletal care where people want to be doing things. They were locked up for a long time. Actually, I'm seeing less patients than I've had in quite a while in this time of year because I think they were locked up and they want to go out and my patients are active and largely healthy and want to live. And so I'm happy for them. Um, And in terms of joint replacements and reconstructions, what we have works tremendously well. There have been quite a few advances. Like anything, we just talked about, you know, a, a guy, Fauci, who's been in, you know, an ivory tower for a long, long time and really doesn't have reality rooted. He's 83, 84 years old. He still runs. He still keeps healthy. But, you know, he has some issues in terms of knowledge base. And 
uh, I'm still in the prime of my career. I don't have any of that, so I've been able to offer state-of-the-art treatments based on things that work and things that can work better, and it's been great. And, and that's what we do every day. And uh, we were shut down for three months uh, doing emergency only, and now we're doing our thing. And I'm glad patients are out there playing tennis and golf and pickleball and anything they want to do. They just have to do it consistently and try not to hurt themselves. Right, and and do it without being in pain, <laughs> avoiding pain. Exactly. I just uh, would, anybody who is uh, experiencing pain, joint pain of any sort, I just encourage you to uh, visit with Dr. George Markovich, my orthopedic surgeon does great job. He took care of me for a couple of years. Uh, and finally, I said, you know what? I can't take the pain anymore. We got to do this. And uh, we did. And it, it just worked out great. So again, Dr. George Markovich, the number 482-5399, 482-5399. Dr. Markovich, always appreciate you and appreciate uh, your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Likewise, Bob. Thank you. Thank you as well. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, so interesting, uh, uh, Bill has uh, filed an ethics complaint against the current mayor, Teresa Heitman, in, in, uh, in Naples. So that's going to be an interesting conversation. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide two and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and now building a performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be absolutely fabulous, and I hope you'll visit the website, Gulf Shore Playhouse. 
Org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, thank you for uh, inviting me on this gorgeous Thursday. Well, thank you. And Mr. Mayor, uh, boy, Naples has been in the news, and uh, now you have filed an ethics complaint against the current mayor of Naples, uh, Teresa Heitman. Uh, Correct. Maybe you could give us a little background on what's going on. Well, you know, I I appeared before the council um, this week. I read a, uh, a prepared speech that I had um, outlining um, the 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 issues, um, but based on what uh, Mr. Dye, our, uh, our our technology director, had said, and. Um, uh, and I presented it to council, and I really, the bottom line was asking them to let our city ethics uh, commission, our newly formed city ethics commission that the voters all wanted um, to handle my complaint. Uh, and uh, and they, um, I wanted council to make a decision and say, yeah, go ahead, that would be a good idea. And so they took it up. And uh, they came up with all kinds of excuses why not to. And one of them was, well, that I had filed and they didn't know what was in my filing. Well, they can't know what's in my filing because it's confidential once you file it. So it really had no bearing on them. And here's the voters. You know, you remember that was uh, highly, highly um, uh, contest. You know, it was a highly, it was a volatile issue. Yeah. Um, some of us did not support it because, uh, you know, we felt we didn't need an ethics commission. Um, we've only had one ethics complaint in like 39 years in the city of Naples. But they they won. And I said during my campaign, I said, look, I'm not supporting this. However, if it passes, I'll do everything I can to help them get on board. So that's the long and short of it. What happened is they spent, we the, the city spent, 200,000 there's a $200,000 budget the new director just started yesterday at a $100,000 salary so far they've spent $59,000 on on uh, legal and computers and the first case that rolls along that the city could have recommended the city says no okay uh, huh. now they're handling my case anyway we don't know whether they will or they won't because they have to determine whether there's merit in it and you know if there's truth to it etc but uh, I'm I'm optimistic that they will take the case, um, but the whole you know the the whole thing, Bob, is this this is an ethics thing. This is what we formed that commission for. This is what all the voters voted for, and and council uh, said no, uh, we we we're not taking it. That is so interesting to me. I mean, they form a council, and it really gets your better judgment. You said, okay, I'll support it if if we if uh, you if this is what we want to do. If the uh, voters support it. And now the city council won't refer your ethics complaint to the ethics commission. That's correct. My goodness. Yeah. So, um, you know the the um, now the of course the ethics commission that Brian Dye has filed is uh, up with the state ethics commission. But the state ethics commission last year there was a number given out last night had two hundred and thirty two ethics complaints. And now, granted, they've been handling the ethics for state of Florida for 40 years or something like that, they'll get it done. But the problem is, and that was another reason that the voters passed ours, was to cut the time down. Mm -hmm. 
so that you're not waiting a year. Remember Sam Saad and that Linda Penniman case that we had? Yes. I mean, it took them nine months to to uh, to clear Sam. I mean, and, you know, uh, what the damage that's done in between mm -hmm. is the issue. Right. So, uh, and of course, you can't, uh, and uh, you're advised not to, I'm sure, uh, divulge the content of your complaint, of your ethics complaint. So that'll remain... Well, no, I, I, can't, I can't, you know, I don't want to divulge the, the, the contents of it, but there was enough substance in there that... Um, that I, I I believe that they will they will um, they will take it and um, you know the there's there's um I think that that, that she that there was a really good interview that was done on NBC yesterday with me <laughs> um, and um, it kind of came out of the blue but they wanted to know how I was feeling about these allegations and you know how I was dealing with it and um, you know they felt sorry for for Chris and I and the family and people, you know, that you had to deal with this. I mean, you got to remember, I said to them, you know, this thing came out of the clear blue. I've been retired for a year, hard right. to imagine. Right. But all of a sudden, you know, did I, do I want to be in this situation? No, <clears throat> but I'm going to fight it. Yeah. Just and um, not going to let her get away with this stuff. She, she changes her story about every five minutes. Yeah. One time, you know, the, Last week, she said, no, he didn't write that. Somebody wrote it for him just to ruin my reputation. And it was all about her reputation. After putting Kevin Rambosk, Sheriff Kevin Rambosk and myself out there, you know, uh, wide open and vulnerable, um, she's worried about her reputation. I know. Well, you know, quite frankly, she's probably been down this trail many times and used to handling these types of situations. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, and just to remind our listeners, uh, the uh, one thing that uh, in the ethics complaint was that uh, she apparently or, or allegedly accused you and Sheriff Rambosk of running a child uh, trafficking. Uh, yeah, prostitution ring out of the airport. Out of the airport. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, what kind of a and, perverse and, mind comes up with something like that? <laughs> yeah, let me tell you also that you know she she impugned uh, uh, and Andrus, our 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 former law firm, Pat, John Pasadomo's law firm, yeah. um, and they're not going to sit still. My the word that came back to me is uh, a couple of them are going to come out firing. So um, I don't think that I'm going to be standing out there alone with. Sheriff, Sheriff Rambosk, uh, uh, um, you know, just fighting this battle by myself. I think that there were a lot of other allegations that the news didn't bother because our headlines were so sensational, so to speak, right. that they left out the, the charges of hacking and everything else that were, that were negated. There was no evidence found whatsoever on all her claims that her phones were hacked, the police phones were hacked, uh, uh, fire some of the city employees that were involved. I mean, so you don't see, you didn't see a lot of that, but it's there. Yeah, it's just. Uh, how are you holding up, Bill? We're holding up pretty good. Um, uh, we have our our Chris and I have our moments because we we we've, we disagree politically sometimes, which is a good thing. You can't always agree with the other person, but uh, but we do well. You know, we we we. We love each other, and we hang in there, and uh, if one's mad at the other, we kind of um, sulk a little bit, or we'll go to a different room or what have you, and uh, 
we're good the next day. Yeah. It's just a matter of, as you well know, I'm sure you don't agree with Linda and all her political things either. Uh, no, I, I probably don't, although I can't recall the last time I disagreed with <laughs> Well, yeah, but it, it definitely it definitely can happen, yeah, and, as I say. So so we're, we're holding up. Uh, uh, we, we still have our friends and our family and uh, events to do and our pets and everything else you can possibly think of, and we'll start to look forward to getting out of here at the end of July and heading up to upstate New York. So outstanding you know but i will tell you bob i'll leave you with this that you know every week it seems to be something different but um council only has two more weeks before they break uh and um last night i mean they were fighting for for dana Souza, our assistant city manager um he's going to become the interim city manager and they're trying to get his contract squared away and they were going around and around and around it was finally like uh, he's going to have to sit with the new city attorney and work it out and come back to them next week because can't be without him, Bob. I'll tell you what, he, yeah. he is the, uh, he's the glue that's going to hold all the staff together and everything. Well, I, and, 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 and listen, before you, before I get thrown off, you sure as hell don't want Teresa Heitman running that city, uh, by herself, uh, when uh, over the summer because the attorneys have come up with an opinion that she's she could be in charge um which is the scariest thing i ever heard in my life i yeah. mean it so um that's another reason so i just uh, i just wonder how uh, city council and uh, city government can function uh with this kind of leadership i just can't imagine it's got to be so so dysfunctional and kind of a well this yeah it is and the staff's morale is so bad bob uh. You know, it, it's just uh, if you watched a whole meeting, which would which would put you to sleep. But if you watched a whole meeting, you you would realize that the some of the council members. I'm not accusing them all, but some of them just treat staff like I, I can't I can't put a word on there. Mm. But the, no human being should be treated like that. Yeah. Um, and um, these are wonderful people that do a great job for our city. But I'll tell you, city city council doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. Bill Barnett again, former mayor of Naples, and now kind of in the in the cauldron of <laughs> everything that's going on right a now. A cauldron, yeah, that, that'd be good. <laughs> Call the cauldron, <laughs> Bill. I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this information with us. Thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome, Bob, and stay tuned for next week. Who knows yes. what'll be on the Bob Harden show? Take care, bud. You as well. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly did. Uh, tomorrow. Uh, we're going to visit with uh, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, and Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. We'll look forward to those two guests. We'll have a surprise guest or two as well in addition. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>